Hi, everybody. This is Charlie Guarino. I'm sitting here today with Miss Debbie Sorgan of Debbie Sorgan Consulting. Debbie, you and I have known each other for quite some time, and I, I know you are the recognized worldwide expert on IBMI backup and recovery, disaster recovery, and high availability, things like that. And surely you've done so many podcasts and webinars and sessions on these topics. But today I want to put you a little bit more in the hot seat and talk about topics that may be a little beyond the realm of that. For example, I'd like to discuss things like the value of information and why it's so important to keep that secure. Because I feel that security and backup recovery do intersect probably, probably more often than anybody thinks. But before we even have that conversation, hello, Deb. How, how are you? I haven't even said hello to you. How, hello, Deb. Hi, Charlie. I'm doing great. Thank you. Great. You know, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I've had the great pleasure of knowing you for many, many years. So thank you for joining us here today, Deb. You're welcome. We won't say how many years, okay? I uh, know. That will remain a mystery. Okay. Our little secret. <laughs> Our secret, yeah. Great. So, Deb, I said it already, you know, the value of information. And this has really been weighing on my brain lately because I, I've been reading recently that somehow information today has become more valuable than it has in the past. And I guess there are two sides to this debate, perhaps, but is is information more valuable today? And, and why do you think people might even be saying that? So, Charlie, I think the information has always been valuable, but I think that information is growing and it's being um, put in different places and stored in different places. And we have more threats today against that information. Um, there's ransomware, there's data corruption, disgruntled employees. I mean, things like this years and years ago, um, we really didn't look at so much. I mean, we talked about disaster recovery. We were worried about um, fires and floods and tornadoes and hurricanes and, you know, natural type disasters. But we're in a new world where more of our information is actually online today. And it's becoming very, very vulnerable. And much more pervasive. We talk about, uh, you talk about online, but there's also offline information, you know, th things like smartphones. If I haven't, if I outfit my entire staff with company issued smartphones, is that information necessary to be backed up? I mean, things like their, their text messages. I mean, does that fall under the cover of information today? It, it may. It depends on what business you're in, and that's something you need to assess. Um, a lot of companies will issue their own smartphones with very secure measures, um, but that's definitely something if it's going to be used for a corporation. You have to assess how critical is that data and making sure it's backed up and making sure it's not compromised. And backed up is, I, I always remember... Yeah, you, you don't have a good backup strategy if you don't have a good recovery strategy. So that's, I guess, all part of the same conversation. You can't have one without the other. And, and writing your title, it's a backup and recovery expert. So let's let's talk about a little bit about recovery. Things like all these external sources of smartphones and even things like firewalls. If there was a natural disaster and a, a, a company's physical location was completely obliterated, how do you recover from something like that? 
down to the smartphones and down to the firewalls, things like that. I mean, I'm sure you've had situations like that in your experience in all your years. Yeah. And that's where, you know, and when you're planning backup and recovery, you're not planning the backup first. You're really replanning the recovery first. And you have to look at the recovery time, the recovery point, which is how much data are we able to lose, that type of thing. And then you have to test out that plan for that recovery. And that's not just your IBM I systems, it's your Windows servers, it's your network, it's your firewalls, it's all those type of connections. And that's working, um, maybe it's within your own organization because you have multiple sites that you can actually do this yourself. Or maybe it's working with a service provider that provides those type of things. But it's going through that scenario and making sure that you can have everything you need accessible and backed up and recoverable um, in the amount of time that you need to have it done. All right. So I I agree with all things you've said there. But there are going to be times when there are companies with smaller budgets, for example, and certainly their information is no less valuable than anybody else's information to them. So how do you address that when people have limited budgets and and you're trying to make sure that all, all of their information is, is in fact recoverable? So the things that you have to look at there is um, going with the uh, solutions that are not going to break their budget. Um, maybe it's a physical tape drive. Um, maybe for the iPhones, it's just backing them up to the cloud. Um, but what's important is, um, and in all cases, um, it's looking at what we can afford. And there are different levels of backup and recovery, and it's maybe taking a stepping stone. But you do have various options out there. And in my mind, everybody needs a backup, right? So they need the backup and let's look at what we can afford. Maybe we can expand on that. Maybe instead of a physical tape drive, we look at a virtual tape library. With a virtual tape library, we can actually replicate that off-site. That doesn't have to be our site. That can be a service provider. And, and that can be a lesser expensive solution. So we need to look at that. Um, but I think what's really important is in today's environment, is because there's so much ransomware and there's a lot of corruption going on, things like that. We need to look at, do we have an air gap solution? And an air gap solution means I have my data off of the system and there's no connection via network to that backup. And and that might be a physical tape because there's no, once I get it off to that physical tape, I can take it offsite. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of the offsite because a lot of people forget the offsite. I will meet with customers and I'll say, okay, backing up to physical tape, where are you storing those tapes? And I'll sometimes get a blank stare and they say, well, it's in Joe's closet. Well, Joe's closet, let's hope Joe is a very good employee and doesn't have a fire at his house you really need to expand on those solutions and there are places to send your tapes like Iron Mountain or Vanguard and store them in a safe location. The other thing as far as air gap is maybe you're using a virtual tape library and that gets replicated to another virtual tape library. Well, you still got that network connection. You've got software involved, things like that. But a lot of the providers offer a solution called a cyber vault 
backup for their VTL, or it might be a cyber vault backup solution for the storage. So it's a copy of the data or a backup the data that is not connected to that actual data that you have. And that's what's important in today's environment is coming up with that air gap solution also. Because if we're just replicating systems, corruption can be replicated, ransomware can be replicated. The other thing you have to look at is how many versions of that backup are you keeping? Because who knows how long it's gonna take you to detect that you've had ransom rent or that your data has actually been corrupted. It may take some time. It may be a month or so before you know. So do you have that air gap backup solution somewhere that doesn't have any corruption that you can go back to? And so that's something different than we're dealing with when we're dealing with just, and I don't want to say just a natural disaster, but it's a different kind of disaster that, you know, many, many years ago, who would have thought? You know, while you were speaking just now, Deb, you, you, um, I, I thought of some interesting questions. And, and one of them is you, you mentioned, you know, where is the, where, where are these backup tapes being stored? And, and you mentioned, you know, a, a, an honest to goodness company who's in the business of storing offsite data. And then you mentioned Joe's closet, you know, some employee named Joe who's casually putting these tapes in, in the, in the trunk of the car and driving to the, the to their house and throwing these tapes into a closet somewhere. But Look, let's, that's an important point right there because, well, for two reasons. First of all, let's talk about stewardship of this data because that backup tape is is literally or the, the keys to the vault, to the entire company right there. And somebody with any malicious intention, whether, uh, you know, if Joe loses control of that tape and someone acquires it somehow and is able to get the information off of it, I mean, are these things that you typically have in a conversation like that when you have these these less than formal arrangements with, with offsite offsite storage? Absolutely, absolutely, we have those conversations, um, and that was a good visual picture of Joe putting those tapes in the trunk. <laughs> let's hope he doesn't get in a car accident, and then he takes them home and he puts them in the closet, and let's hope nothing happens in the closet or to the home where Joe lives. But you know, the other question was, you know, are those tapes encrypted? Can somebody just pick up those tapes and put them on another system? Because encryption is another option you can do with your tapes. And then it's adding in that piece of actually encrypting those tapes. But when we start encrypting tapes, things like that, you have to also look at how is that recovery going to go, right? Um, because with hardware tape encryption, there's keys involved, right? Um, I literally got a call once because with um hardware encryption, you have a separate server that has the keys. And a customer was in the process of doing an upgrade of a system. Well, they thought they were going to upgrade the system, but they actually started a scratch recovery of the system, okay? So they start the scratch recovery of the system, and now they're committed. Their data has been wiped out. They're going to have to actually do a recovery from the backup tapes, but the backup tapes are encrypted. And they do not know the encryption key. Um, and this uh, a particular encryption was software encryption. And the encryption key, uh, I got a call and they had called IBM Rochester and they're saying, well, if you don't know the encryption key, it's encryption. So there's no way we can figure out how to do it. Um, and they were in a 
quandary right there because they thought, well, maybe they put the encryption key in a bank vault, whatever. They were going to check into this. Um, so luckily, they did finally find that encryption key. But these are things like when people leave the company, people haven't thought through where is the encryption key. I've had customers where one person knows half of the encryption key, another person knows the other half of the encryption key. What if something happens to those personnel? So these are things that have been added in our environment, these encryption keys for encrypting the data that we really haven't thought through to make sure we're able to actually recover this system while we're still protecting the data. Um, another customer, um, uh, the same thing, they had encrypted the hardware tapes, um, the backup tapes, the physical tapes with encryption. But when you're using the ERMS product or backup recovery and media services product, you need the recovery report. And, you know, every year they would come to test at the recovery center. They would give us a recovery report. We recover just fine. But when we were talking about this externally one time, um, you know, I talked about, well, you uh, send the recovery report offsite every day. And they said, no, we put it on the tape. And I looked at them and I said, you mean the encrypted tape? And that was the first time it dawned on them that, oh, we wouldn't have the recovery report because we haven't recovered the tapes yet and the tapes are encrypted. So um, it's going through that whole process of all those protections we put in place to make sure that we can still recover our system. You know, just going back to that, Joe's that back, back to poor Joe. We, we, poor we, Joe. We, we're picking <laughs> on Joe, but but he's the, he's the guy that we're we have our crosshairs on today. So Joe, you know, I, I remember years back when data was still being backed up on diskettes, eight-inch diskettes. Holy cow! But correct. Anyway, um, literally, they were you know the company. This one company was very comfortable that the diskettes were being taken off-site by one of the employees. We'll call mm -hmm. we'll call employee Joe. Yep. Um, and Joe would put the diskettes in the trunk and yep. drive away until one day when Joe realized that the diskettes were still in the car trunk and took them out and they were completely warped. And <laughs> because because of the heat, right? Because the heat of the humidity. Heat. Exactly right. <laughs> That's right. exactly true. And I have seen tapes and this happened to be in Tucson, Arizona, um, where we did a lot of our uh processing and invention of tape technology for IBMI and people would put the tapes in the trunk of the car and they literally would melt. Okay. Um, so environmental factor is an important thing. Like you said, the diskettes were just always in the car and they had melted. Yeah. Right. Same thing but, with physical tape. Yeah. That's obviously a gaping hole in their backup recovery strategy, but no one at the time, you know, I guess there was just this casual approach, which I think the reason why I bring it up is because it still pr uh, proliferates till today that even with the, it does. Yeah. With the physical tapes is a, and it's not obviously not everywhere, obviously not, but there's sometimes a um, um, less than formal or casual approach to, Oh, that's the backup tape. Yeah. We got our backup tape and we're good to go, but Holy cow, you know, the value of that information you know, it's only more valuable when you need it, obviously. You right. Know, the day when, when the machine's up and running, it's its value is potentially, you know, zero. Yeah. But now, now in crisis mode, now it's the most important piece of information, you know, the physical piece of thing I have in, in, in the world. 
Correct. Correct. So how do you speak to that as far as a recovery plan? Is that something that you talk about when you're talking to a customer about the value of that and why that's such a critical component, the actual, the, the safe securing of tapes? Yes. Um, and so we talk about the safe securing of tape. We also talk about the location of that tape. Um, where is the recovery going to happen? Do you have a site that you work with? Um, is it close to the site? Um, how, how fast can you get the tape there? Um, you know, a lot of natural disasters like hurricanes, um, one time in Texas, people, you know, the, the vendors that pick up tapes don't go into hurricane zones is what they found out. Um, and in particular, one customer that did show up with a tape, that was because the company owned a Learjet and they could fly the tapes out. Um, so, you know, that's where you look at, oh, maybe tape is not the best way for me to do a recovery. Um, in fact, you know, Hurricane Katrina, those companies um, that went through that with getting their physical tape to a location, doing physical tape recovery, they opted for doing high availability where you replicate the system and the system is replicated from one site to another site so that they're not dealing with that physical tape in a actual recovery where they can switch over systems. Um, another option that we have today are the virtual tape libraries where you can replicate that virtual tape to another site and another location. It's a very, very good solution. And in fact, there are some smaller VTLs where that expense is not very expensive for some companies. The cost has come significantly down. Um, but yet I will say there are some really small customers where physical tape still is their best option. Um, so you really have to look at the security of that, that data on the tape or in the virtual tape library. Um, and then include all the possible scenarios that may happen. And um, in fact, uh, the company where the tape was going home to um, Joe's Closet did experience a fire after I had worked with them. Luckily, it didn't hit the IT department, but it did hit the business. So, Right. Um, so, our, so our hypothetical Joe, that scenario is still alive and well in some sense. It is. It is still alive and well. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, of course, and, and so now for non-natural disasters, now Joe happens to be away on vacation. And, and now, <laughs> now they need access to his house, for example, and you know, Joe is not available. That's correct. That so, is correct. Yeah. So what, do you, what do you do? I mean, that's yeah. that's a valid point to consider. Right. Right. But, yep. It's a bad day to be Joe, I think. I think so. <laughs> Luckily, Joe um, doesn't have tapes in this closet anymore. There you go. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Joe. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's not just the tapes, you know, you get into high availability. And I've worked with customers where, you know, I come in there and I'm supposed to create a backup. And I'm supposed to create uh, and ensure they have a good backup on the replicated system, right? And I'll start looking at that. I'm like, okay, let's... Uh, you know, look at your backup strategy and let's make sure this is good. But I'll notice something. And one thing that I might notice is you're only replicating one directory in the IFS. What about the rest of the IFS? You have a lot of data in there. The system has a lot of data in the IFS. Um, oh, well, we're just replicating the one directory. And I'm like, so if my task is to help you with a backup plan off of the replicated system, I, I cannot do a good backup because the data is not there. It's not being replicated. And by the way, you're not backing up production at all. So at this point, I need to the tell the customer, you're, you're not recoverable. 
whether you do an HA or whether you have a backup, in either case, you are not recoverable. And it suddenly dawns on them. It's like, oh, yeah, we're not, are we? Um, so you, you have to look at all the pieces, not the backup and the recovery, but the high availability solution also in some cases. Um, so that customer eventually replicated all the data in the IFS, which was good because now we truly have high availability and they started testing switchovers to make sure they could actually switch over and run their system. But um, also on the replicated system where we were performing the backups, we were able to get good backups. So it's looking at those whole pieces. And I will see a lot of companies, you know, they'll spend a lot of money to do replication, but they're not really testing it, not implemented properly, and they don't feel comfortable that they could ever switch over. And those are the things you have to look at is um, let's clean it up or maybe look at a different solution that's going to work for us. But, you know, you make a point there, Deb. You say, you know, for customers that I go and visit and I challenge them on their plans, but Lucky are those who have you to come in there and, and meet with their teams. But obviously, you're not covering every customer in the world. And there are many, many companies who don't have a visit from an expert in backup and recovery. And they're just comfortable, perhaps ignorant, but comfortable that they will be able to recover from a, from a disaster. And these are the ones, I think, who are really in the most or potential most danger. That's correct. And not necessarily comfortable, but I think there's a lot of that's never going to happen to us. It's never happened in 30 years, so it's not going to happen, which is totally not true. Well, that's true. I mean, and, and listen, there are so many stories you hear of people who, you know, you hear that all the time. People buy, they buy fire insurance once the house burns down, obviously. Right. And it doesn't help you once the house is gone. No, it doesn't. And you mentioned yeah. a couple other points I want to talk about. You talked about the production data not being backed up or not re not recoverable. But let's let's switch gears on that one and talk about test environments for developers. Because yeah. isn't that equally as important in in, in some cases or more many or even most cases? Yeah. So a lot of customers will focus on production and maybe not in test or development. Um, I will have customers that will say, well, we only back up development once a month because, you know, developers, they like to be on the systems at all different hours, you know, maybe they working two, three in the morning because they can't sleep. And so the developers have decided, and this is a totally true story, they decided we only need to back up the system once a month. So they give it to us once a month, we do a backup. Well, this particular customer after we had got them all set up really, really well for backup recovery on their production environment, they had an issue where they lost all their data on their development system. And in particular, remember, it's once a month they're being backed up. It happened like on the 28th day after that backup. And there were many, many. Yeah, of course it did. That's the way it's always going to happen. And um, many developers, they lost a month's worth of work. So that not only is that an impact to the business, but developers are not happy when they have to figure out all this work that they already did. There's no backup and they'll have to redo all of that. And uh, and that's where we look at options. And, and you talked about a budget. So really, and I've worked with a lot of customers that say, oh, well, we can't take the system down. There are options on the system where you can do things like save all active. And a save all active is 
in order to get a good say, we may have to quest things for maybe five, 10 minutes and then bring it back up. But we're able to get that say well active checkpoint and still back up on that system. And it's a limited downtime. And that say well active function is it comes with a system. It's free. You're not going to pay extra for that. And in fact, I've worked with a lot of customers in that scenario that say, well, we just can't take the system down and we can't buy another system to replicate. But are, there are these options like the save while active where you can get a good save. Um, another customer I had, and it was a hospital and they, again, they said, we're 24 by seven, we can't take the system down. And they had come from a strategy of what we used to use um, in 38 days. And their strategy was to save journal receivers every single day. They did this for a month. And then um, they only did full backup once a month. And then they had a system failure. So um, they were the recovery center trying to recover the system. You first recover from the full backup and then you start the apply of journal receivers. And the apply of the journal receivers was taking a very, very long time. So we started up as many multiple jobs as the system could handle. And then we kind of did some calculation. Well, it was going to take seven days to put those journal receivers on. Long, long recovery. They were down for seven days? That would mean they were, yeah, they're down for seven days to get the journal receivers applied. Don't you think that after seven days, you know, that, I mean, that's a huge risk to the business overall. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, uh, the main thing that they run on the system was time time cards, timekeeping. Um, it didn't impact the hospital operations, but it did impact their personnel and timekeeping. But it's just an example of a scenario of not knowing how long it's going to take to do that recovery based on the strategy that you have. Exactly. And in this particular, yeah, in this particular instance, I said, you know, we can do stay well active. Can you take it down for five or 10 minutes? Oh yeah, we think we can actually do that. And they did that, and then the recovery, the system was back up in eight hours after we tested it. Which only goes to show, this is not, uh, from what from what I'm gathering, this is not a, a set it and forget it type strategy. You know, the company's data needs grow, you know, their, their enterprise grows, the acquisition, whatever the case is. And you have to keep revisiting, I think, at, on, at some, on some reasonable interval, your backup and recovery strategy. Because that again, is totally true. Totally, totally true. Um, because the data is changing, uh, what you're running on the system is changing. Um, I've been involved in thousands of recovery tests, and it never fails to amaze me that every test, you usually find something different that you will probably have to deal with. And if you hadn't tested that, you wouldn't know about that. So, I mean, the, um, ultimate, the ultimate goal is, is to get a, a run book, I guess, a, a, some kind of book that we can go to and say, this is our recovery plan. Yep. Yep. And um, any good business will have a good recovery plan. Um, it doesn't include just the IBM I and includes um, networking. It includes the Windows servers, whatever you're doing for those. A key piece of it is the IBM I and everybody's system is different. You know, you've got different data, you've got different security options. Um, I've been through uh, long recovery tests where we, we think we're ready, we're up and ready to sign on the system, and none of the workstations are signing on. Well, this was because of a security change that was put in place that if we don't know about these new devices, which were auto-configured, which means they're ending in uh, different uh, IDs, 001, 002, we're not going to let them come up. 
But when you're looking at that at one o'clock in the morning and trying to figure out what happened and how do we actually get back on the system, it, it's, it's very time consuming and very, very frustrating. But going, uh, having the plan, knowing who's going to execute it, and actually going through some testing to know what's going to happen is very, very critical. You know, there's another point to be made here. You're talking about this hospital and, you know, we'll talk in generic terms, but hospitals are certainly an, an, an industry that's regulated. We have HIPAA concerns, things like that. And if you go to Europe, you have GDPR, things like that. So how, how do those regulations impact maybe a backup and recovery strategy or do they? They, they absolutely do. Um, and those are things that um, they need to look at their recovery time, their recovery point. And, you know, like we talked about, um, they have very strict security rules um, and they have um, things like, um, does the disk need to be encrypted? Do the data fields need to be encrypted? Do the backups need to be encrypted? Um, and it, it, it's all part of the plan and the processing of going through whatever the security rules are that you have to go through. So what would a typical meeting look like if, if somebody really wants to do this in earnest or, or revisit it, you know, perhaps that they now they fit that interval where they need to re, revisit and do a, a whole audit on back of recovery. I mean, does that go hand in hand with a security audit? Would you sit in tandem with somebody and say, hey, you know, this is, you know, these keep intersecting. We need to have this conversation with everybody on board at the same table. Who else might be involved in those meetings? So the people involved in the meetings um, are with the company would be the security people, um, the people doing the backups, responsible, the admins are very important to this whole process. Um, anybody that um, owns or has a piece in that business, um, like, you know, we might talk about a business impact analysis. How much is the company going to lose if we're down for how many hours? That's something you have to look at. And then really, it's just working with the the IT people to have a discussion about, let's look at your backups. Let's talk about where those backups are going. And then let's talk, look at the recovery. It, it's kind of a unique thing because um, it's kind of really finding out the whole idea of the customer and what they're doing. And I found like, I truly find out that every single customer is different. Even from the very, very small, simple customer, and they may have been doing the same thing over and over for years, and they have like a CL program that does their backup, and it's been added to and added to and added to, and I can take a quick glimpse at that CL program, and I can say, oh, there's some critical libraries here that you've never backed up and you're missing, and I can also look at that and say, you know, I think we have a simple option for you. And on IBMI, we have something called Save Menu Option 21. And mind you, this is a small customer. I think if we take what you've been doing for years and take it to an Option 21, and mind you, we have a new way to actually automate an Option 21, which didn't happen years and years ago. I think I can ensure you're going to have a full backup, and I think it's going to run faster. And so we did a test and that's exactly what happened. So um, from the simple customer to the very, very large customer who has maybe the large customer has BRMS, 
we'll start looking at a very complex environment with a lot of LPARs and uh, larger data. You know, I've seen customers with up to 90 terabytes of data that we have to recover and look at. You know, you mentioned admins and you mentioned, you know, security people. These are, these are you know, vital stakeholders in the, in the enterprise, in the company. And that's regardless of how big, no matter how big a company is, they're going to have stakeholders. But how do you identify the stakeholders and, and how do you, or is that your responsibility? Whose responsibility, who, who does that fall on to? Wh whose burden is that to identify the stakeholders and make sure that they are accountable for their part in overall you know, infrastructure? So when I go in and work with a customer, um, I'm going to need their assistance to identify those people. And maybe I'm working with a partner um, that works with this customer and, and they will identify those people. But I think what helps, um, and if I take some of the customers I work with, I may be looking at the lower level and I can identify the, the problems that they have. And then within the company, they can take those issues and move them up the change so that they can make some decisions there. But a lot of times, you know, if you're not looking at it, they just want to put on the blinders because it hasn't been an issue. And so if we're, we're not seeing it, then it's not a problem. Well, yeah, head in the sand is always, you know, I, I, that, that's something that we see a lot as well. And that's, that's, that's a dangerous model. Yeah, there is a lot. Um, uh, like, for instance, I was teaching a class once and we were uh, teaching uh, BRMS and, um, you know, I always focus on the recovery side. And um, I was talking about taking tapes off site. And at one point, um, IBM sold a, a tape library where you could load up eight tapes, right? And uh, some customers thought inadvertently like, oh, I can have Monday's tape, Tuesday's tape, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All the tapes are loaded there. Nice solution. Yeah, except for one fact, they're not taking the tapes off site. They're waiting for seven days because, well, they're in the library, they're in use. Um, I did have a person in the class get up, leave the class, and call her manager. So this is where she's reporting to the management. Do you realize if we have seven tapes and we have a problem and a fire, we lose seven days worth of data? So until it had been explained to her that not taking those tapes off every day, it seemed like a great solution to have seven days worth of tapes in the tape library, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? That is still in existence. I still know companies. I hear people tell me at conferences, and that's still that's today still their strategy. Yep. And and, and you know, and far be it from me to say anything terrible to them because those might have been applications that I put into place myself years ago when when that seemed to be a, a better solution. You know, and it's convenient. But again, I think going back to the original point that we started with the value of information. You can't go back a week and try to recreate that. It's too valuable and it's a true asset to the business. It, it is an asset. And without that, the, the longer you're down, the greater the risk of going out of business, perhaps. Yep. And I've seen, there's been a lot of companies go out of business when they can't recover their data. So, so true. Well, fortunately, there are newer solutions in place. And we said cloud backup and VTLs. And, and there are better things in place today that to help mitigate some of these risks. Yeah, um, so we have VTL, we have high availability, we have service providers, we have cloud. Um, another thing I want to test uh, touch on, though, is a lot of people are thinking about moving their data to the cloud. 
Um, so it's one thing to get the data to the cloud, but then your question is, how am I protecting that data that's in the cloud? Those are usually add-on services. Is it gonna be replication? Is there gonna be a backup solution? Um, and in a lot of cases, it may not be the backup solution that is gonna give you the recovery time that you need, or it may not be the affordable backup solution that you need. So, um, and you know, it's, I think it's very attractive to put your development environment, your test environment, you can spin up uh, a VM in the cloud and that's good, but I, you know, you have to weigh the risk. Cause I do talk with a lot of people that say, well, we do have testing development, but you know, we're not backing it up. So, uh, and that's a risk they're willing to take. And, but they do look at, okay, if I'm gonna do production in the cloud, what really is gonna be my high availability solution? What's gonna be my backup recovery solution in addition to high availability? And then um, those costs will add up too. But you cannot forget when you put your data in the cloud, it still requires backup recovery solution and it also requires maybe an HA solution too. And this, this is not to suggest by the way that having an on-prem solution is not a viable method anymore. I mean, there are many companies who run on-prem very well today. And, and, we'll, and that, that's all they'll always do. That is absolutely correct. Um, a lot of customers, they love their on-prem um, and they love being in control of their data, which is a good thing. And they'll continue to do on-prem. So um, it just depends on what, what works well for your business. But as long as you're cognizant of whatever the risks are, and, and both solutions have risks, certainly. Exactly. Both solutions have risks, and both solutions need both backup and recovery and high availability, usually. Yes. Well, that makes perfect sense. And when, when has that never been the, the, the case? Even with my own little laptop, that's that's important. Yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of laptops, so... Uh, uh, I'll tell you a story here. So um, my laptop, when I worked at IBM, um, and years and years ago, um, getting ready for a common conference, um, I had just finished up my presentations, and I was going to do the right thing, and I was going to back up my presentations, correct? And so in those days, uh, we would back up to a DVD on our laptop. And I'm very busy that night. Um, kids had a lot going on. I'm trying to pack, I'm trying to clean. And then I'm going to format my DVD to back up my presentations um, before I go to common. And I type in format C colon. Hmm. And then I go and I work on the dishes and I come back and there's a message and I press enter. Hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh no. And I start sweating because I just formatted my whole laptop. I have a feeling that that was more than an oh no moment. Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> I was literally like panicky right. and sweating right. and like, oh, I, I had no idea what I was going to do because the plane left the next day to go to Common and I do not have my presentations, neither do I have a laptop. And so um, I was trying to figure out something, right? And so we have IT support. Um, in, in Rochester here. But I, I kind of did have a backup strategy. And my backup strategy before taking it off to DVD was through my email. So as I made changes to my presentation, I would send it back to myself, okay? 
because our email servers are backed up, right? If I can get to my email of the presentations I set to myself, then I have my backup. But I had to get my laptop reloaded in order to get to those. And so um, I called into IBM and a particular person that I would work with with um, our laptops. And this is a Saturday, mind you. And I'm like, I, I really, I really need help here. <laughs> I said, here's, he's like, what did you do? And I told him the whole story. I was a little embarrassed, but I'm like, this is what happened. Have to catch a plane. And he came into the site. I met him and he got my laptop reloaded just before I had to get on the plane so I could get to my email so I could get to my presentation. These are the kind of stories when you hear the person on, on the, the other end of this phone call saying, you owe me one big time. For <laughs> that was right. Yeah. I, I can still remember him saying to me, Deb, what did you do and right. why? <laughs> I'm like, I'm only Miss Backup Recovery. Why would I do something like that? Well, that's my point, which only goes to show if, if you're going right. to do that, then anybody is uh, capable of losing data. Of human error. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Which, and, you know, we're all human. So certainly there are, you know, we have to be aware that that's a that that's a real reason to lose data obviously yeah it is very funny so listen we're actually we've been talking already can you imagine deb that you and i have been talking for such a long time <laughs> yeah. yeah i i can charlie we do talk a long time that's true. Which is great. And, I, and i love it by the way but but <laughs> i, I don't want to um go over the uh allotted time here so so what, what kind of final words, you know, what's a big takeaway here? We talked about the value of information. Information is very valuable and, and perhaps is no more valuable today than it was even 20 years ago. But maybe it is. Depends. It's, there's something more data out there. But what's your, what's your takeaway to anybody who's, who even in this day and age does not have uh, what, you know, by any real measure, a real backup or recovery strategy? What, what is, what's your final message to them other than just do it? Or, or is that the message? Um, I kind of like that. I kind of like just do it. Um, definitely the information is growing. There's more of it. And I, I think um, you really do have to make even a small effort to, ha to have somebody help you or take a look at it. An outside eye is always good. And, you know, the thing I, one message I used to leave with customers as far as, you know, coming out of a backup recovery session, you know, there's only three things I want you to remember. Number one is to test. Number two is to test. And number three is to test. Right. Well, there you go. I think that that fully encapsulates, you know, the whole thing here. And there, and I think at the end of the day, there, there needs to be some sense of urgency to this. There does. Because, Absolutely. Because the, you know, the cost to the company, it's, again, it's, it's only, obvious when you're in those situations, but the cost of the company is huge if you don't have the proper things in place. Absolutely. Our, our companies today run on data. Absolutely. Good. That's a good point. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd like to leave it there because uh, data does uh, run the world, obviously, and, <laughs> and making sure that data is in place and always in place is so important. And I know you've done a great job in your entire career making, you know, keeping companies safe and sound. So thank you for all all your work and your evangelism of, of getting that message out there. Well, thanks, Charlie. This has been great fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Um, so, so everybody else, um, please check the Tech Channel website. There's always great information. It's chock full of other webinars and podcasts, things like that. 
And thank you for joining everybody. I'm, we'll talk to you soon. Bye now.